0: The one who makes us one. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. 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 The other day, uh, a couple weeks ago now, I stepped into the kitchen and found myself in the middle of a mother-daughter conversation about Latin. And then I was asked if I knew any. You ever been put on the spot like that? Like, oh, I want to know some. Um, Let's see. Ah, E Pluribus Unum came to mind. Out of many, one, right? United States motto. Verbum Domini, Manna in Aeternum was also on my mind. The VDMA on our banner over there. That's the motto of the Lutheran Reformation, which is taken from 1 Peter 1, 24 and 25. And it means the word of the Lord endures forever, forever, unchanging, same word of God, and indeed it does. I also thought about the U.S. Marine Corps motto, it's also well-known, right? Semper Fi, Semper Semper Fidelis, right? And it means? Always faithful. Always faithful. I think we have a couple Marines in the house. (laughs) But as it just so happens, I know a little bit more Latin, not much. I have a phrase, a Latin phrase, across from my desk. I have this little marquee thing that I can change the words on, um, as if, you know, having marquees weren't controversial enough. I have to have one in my study. Uh, so across from my desk, it says, Rem totum applica ad te. And it means apply the whole thing to me, to myself. It's how I study for every sermon. Apply what you're reading, pastor, to yourself. All of scripture applies not only to the church whom I've been called to teach, but to me, too. Because every pastor is first and foremost a repentant sinner, just like every other member of Christ's church. All of scripture, the law and the gospel, applies to me. There's another Latin phrase that I never want to forget. Unum predica, sapientiam crucis. And I can't say sapientiam without a little bit of an Italian Latin flair in my voice. Sorry, it just comes out. Uh, That is, one thing you must preach, the wisdom of the cross. Unum predica, one thing you must preach, sapientiam crucis, the wisdom of the cross. And that is exactly what I aim to do right now. Our sermon text is Luke eighteen thirty-one to 34, the first part of our gospel reading, our Lord's painful and prophetic description of his death. And taking the 12, Jesus said to them, see, we are going up to Jerusalem and everything that is written about the son of man by the prophets, meaning in the Old Testament, will be accomplished. For he will be delivered over to the Gentiles and he will be mocked and shamefully treated and spit upon. And after flogging him, they will kill him. And on the third day, he will rise. But they understood none of these things. The saying was hidden from them, and they did not grasp what was said. Rem totum applica ad te, apply the whole thing to me. Do I grasp what Jesus said? You do the same. Do you grasp what Jesus said? Now, you and I have a slight advantage over the apostles. We have history on our side. We can read the historic accounts of Jesus' death and understand that he was talking about dying on the cross in fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies. We read Scripture And we can see that Jesus is the Savior of the world, the Messiah, come into flesh to justify us sinners, to be our justification, to restore us to our Father, to sanctify us by the Holy Spirit, that is to make us holy. Ah, there's another Latin phrase for us. Simul justus epikater. At the same time, Saint and sinner. That is what we are right now. On this side of the resurrection, all of you who've been washed in Ruthie's bucket in our baptismal font, right? In the waters of baptism, Christ's waters of baptism, you have been made holy, yet your sins remain on this side of the resurrection. So you are simul eustus epikator, simultaneously holy, And sinful. The Christian has been forgiven of his sins. He's been baptized into Christ, and that sacramental bath has washed your conscience. Your conscience should be free. That's what this is about. That's what the gospel does. It unburdens your conscience. Yet we continue to sin because we still live in this fallen world, the perfect has not yet come. As Paul talks about in our 1 Corinthians reading, we still know in part. And so we prophesy, that is, we speak the truth in part. 1 Corinthians thirteen nine. But when the perfect comes, when Christ returns, the partial will pass away. When I was a child... I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. 1 Corinthians 13, 10 and 11. But even with all of the Old Testament prophecies before us and with the advantage of the Gospels and the other books of the New Testament, we do still struggle to fully grasp the meaning of Jesus' crucifixion, don't we? To fully grasp it. St. Paul was also inspired to write that for now we see in a mirror dimly, but then, that is when Christ returns, on the last day, we will see face to face. Now we know in part, but then we shall know fully, even as we have been fully known. God fully knows us and we shall fully know him and ourselves in the resurrection. So Jesus did go to Jerusalem and everything that was written about the Son of Man by the prophets did happen to Jesus of Nazareth. The same Jesus the blind man knew about and called out for. The same Jesus who gave James spiritual life in his baptism. The same Jesus the blind man is returning to with sight to give praise and honor to the son of David. He was delivered over to the Gentiles, just as it says, specifically to Pontius Pilate, the Gentile Roman governor who had the authority to execute him. And he was mocked and he was treated shamefully, he was spit upon, and he was flogged, he was finally killed. And yes, we must never forget, he was raised on the third day. You should probably say hallelujah right there. Alleluia. Okay, we're coming into Lent, that's going to be going away for a while just so we can bring it back during Easter, so we've got to get it in there. Right. What does that mean? What does it mean? that you've been saved from your sins. It means your sins of idolatry. You're putting yourself first, your money first, your stuff, your choices, your interests, your hobbies, your lusts, your unholy anger that you hold on to so you can be mad at other people. It's putting all of that before God. And that's all been forgiven. All of that within you has been wiped away. Your conscience need not be burdened by any guilt of idolatry. It means your blasphemy, that is your cursing, swearing, lying, entertaining false, meaning satanic beliefs about God and his creation, whether they're picked up from the pop culture or from misreading the Bible, or from not reading it at all and just thinking you know best. Even your OMG text messages have been forgiven. All of them dunked in the water. It means you've been forgiven of spurning God's word, despising it, not studying it, not coming to church to hear it proclaimed and explained where two or three are gathered to keep each other in check, where the Lord is present with his spirit to guide the conversations and the discussions and the growth. One person not separated and drifting astray. It means you're arrogantly assuming you know what the Bible says by yourself and therefore you're right and you're just sticking to it. Facts be put aside rather than humbly listening to it rather than reading it with the intent of submitting to it and letting God, his will, his way, his word, shape you. All of that's been forgiven too. Christ's death means all your pride, your hubris, your arrogance. It's all been forgiven. Yes, Even tomorrow's pride has been forgiven. Christ's sacrifice on the Gentile cross means you've been pardoned. Pardoned for dishonoring your parents. The fourth commandment, right? Pardoned for rebelling against their guidance and their stewardship, or at the very least against showing them love, even if they don't deserve it from your eyes. Even if they didn't do the best job of loving you you still love them and honor them. You've been forgiven for breaking the laws of our land as well because all authority stems from the family, the parents. You've been forgiven of disrespecting all those in authority over you, whether it's a teacher or a coach or a pastor or the governor or the president or the cop who pulls you over, whatever. Heathen tyrants and all. Sure, they don't deserve honor. But God put them in their place of authority. And so of all people, we will honor them. Even if it means we suffer. Let the suffering commence. It's called your cross. I, for one, want a cross. Pray for the cross. Jesus flogging his shameful treatment and death means you've been forgiven of not helping your neighbors in need. For hurting people with your words or actions and for not doing what you should have done to protect them from harm. It means the ill will that we wish upon other people, even in those dark recesses of our conscience that no one knows we think about, it's been forgiven. Wiped away from your rap sheet your ecclesiastical criminal record has been expunged. God's holy court has nothing, nothing to convict you of because Christ has already been found guilty of your sins. Christ being spit on and ridiculed upon the cross means you're no longer to be punished for your sexual sins. Now we're into the sixth commandment. Your immoral actions and perverse thoughts, like your neighbors, have been forgiven. Your self-centered lusts have been covered by his selfless love. You ever think about that? Just side note here. Lust is always self-focused. It's what I want. And sometimes it, it looks like it's in the love arena, but it's not. Because love is always what my neighbor needs. It's always other person focused. Lust is self focused, love is neighbor focused in every category. That Jesus went to Jerusalem to be killed by Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor, means you're no longer an outlaw. You're no longer accused of stealing what's not yours or for even coveting someone else's blessings. Even your simple, jealous thoughts have been forgiven. Again, hallelujah. Because I have a bunch of those. Don't you? This is the wisdom of the cross. Jesus died to fully forgive you, to wipe away all your sins. All of them are gone. Your big transgressions, Sure, yes, but don't forget, Christian, even your littlest sins have been wiped clean. They are gone. They're the little speck of dust that's still in the bowl. He was mocked, flogged, spit upon, and finally killed for you because he loves you. And he did it knowing that none of us, Not a single one of us. It's like Paul says, love is not wise in its own eyes. This sort of thing, right? None of us would fully grasp the totality of what his crucifix means for us. Just how gracious, just how loving our God is escapes us. We start to grasp it, but we can't touch it. The immensity of his love for you is beyond words. This is the wisdom of the cross. This is why the word came into the flesh to teach us this, to show us this. This is the wisdom of the cross. This and what happened after the cross. Let's not forget the resurrection. And Jesus said on the third day he will rise. And he did. Alleluia. Alleluia. Christ's resurrection is also part of the wisdom of the cross. And it too falls under the Latin phrase rem totum applica ad te. Apply that whole sucker to yourself. That resurrection is all yours. It has been given to us. Not part of the resurrection. All of it. All of the resurrection is yours. You will know that someday. One day you will get up. And your body will be united with your spirit to live forever. When Christ comes back, perfection will be seen face to face. Then you will know fully. You will know him fully and you will look at yourself and say, that's what I've been this whole time. Holy. Oh my goodness. He wasn't lying. Your body will be resurrected and you will know not in part, but fully. And on that day, you will no longer be Simil Eustace epicotter, because what was simultaneously saint and sinner will have grown up into maturity being only saint, fully holy. You will know sin no more and you will see fully that you truly have been made holy. And that is all that will remain. Perfect holiness with Christ the word of the lord that endures forever verbum domini manet in aeternum unum predica sapientiam crucis one thing you must preach the wisdom of the cross amen. Amen. amen now may the peace of jesus christ which surpasses all understanding guard and keep your hearts and minds in christ jesus to life everlasting. Amen. Amen.